right now at three employees, you don't need to have spreadsheets for everything. Mm -hmm. What you need to do is be thinking ahead to when you have six, seven, eight, nine employees, how are you going to create a system now that can build into that system so you don't have to just, wow, we had this system that worked really well, we have to throw it out the window and start all over again. Welcome to Biz Build Podcast, presented to you by the good folks here at Diamondback Tool Company. I'm the host of the show, Damani, head of sales and media for Diamondback Tool Belts. Follow me at Diamondback underscore Damani, that's D-A-M-A-N-I on Instagram. I'm here, as I will be on every episode, with Connor Crook, CEO of Diamondback Tool Belts. Follow him on Instagram at diamondback.toolbelts. The purpose of BizBuild is to provide listeners an inside track on what it takes to build a business. It is our hope that you can learn from our successes and pitfalls and siphon knowledge from our various expertise so that you can get an edge in the business of building something great. All right, welcome back. Um, we ended uh, that section talking with Bryce, who is our new accountant, who's actually extremely knowledgeable on these things, which is why we hired him, because our new model for 2020 is to hire the right people for the right jobs. Um, but prior to Bryce walking in, um, we were sort of talking about the different numbers that Connor looks at versus what I may or may not uh, look at. And so Connor talked about some of the things that he looks at from the operational side, from the dealing with uh, being was it on the business versus in the business? Work on the business. Don't work in the business. Work, working on the business. And for me, in the marketing and sales side of things, uh, I tend to look at uh, a specific group of numbers myself. And I need to, I, you know, I, I admit now that I need to have a much more formal way of tracking these numbers. But informally, some of the things that I look at are uh, the types of inquiry, inquiries that we get through the website and through um, Instagram about certain products. Is there uh, a growing interest in a new product that we put out? Is there a renewed interest in an old product that we put out? Um, it leads me to ask certain questions of the people who are inquiring about the products. Uh, let me even back up. Also inquiries into the Facebook page, uh, people who want to join our groups, uh, the questions that are being posted up on the Facebook page. And I want to communicate with those people and find out what it is, um, where they're getting their information from, why why they're interested in these products, and maybe give me an understanding of um, future future sales, uh, future growth in certain, uh, in certain areas. Another one of the uh, numbers that I look at is the amount of swag Swag items and accessory items that we are that are getting attached to individual orders and orders that come in that are just swag and accessory items. Um, for me, that's extremely important. Uh, one of the big goals when we started the company, or not when we started the company, but when I came out to the company, one of the early conversations that I had with Connor and Connor probably you probably remember this was the idea of how do we get repeat buyers if we sell a product that lasts for. 15 years, then we're sort of shooting ourselves in the foot if we can only sell something once to somebody and then we don't get business from them again in 15 years. And I mean, 
I don't, that, that's not a sustainable business model <laughs> at the end of the day. And so what we really wanted to do is look at the different ways that we could sort of, um, uh, upgrade's not the word, but um, incentivize people to uh, purchase more from Diamondback. Maybe it is to add a utility sheath or a gun loop to their pre-existing rig, DB Sacks. Maybe they love their Diamondback, so they want t-shirt and hat. And so that they start to come back more and more. And so I definitely look at the amount of accessory and swag items that are sold per order and individual orders that are just those particular things. Um, the last thing that I really, really pay close attention to is uh, spikes in sales um, associated with events or promotions that we're involved in. So if we, if Connor goes to Burns Tools, um, are we seeing a spike in sales or interest from that region? If we show up at Atlas Machinery, if we do, uh, if someone, one of our big lead users um, does a YouTube video on a product, are there, is there a spike in sales or interest and inquiry about that product due to uh, those events or promotions? Uh, so we can sort of see the efficacy or how effective it is uh, for us to show up at these events and also um, do these sort of uh, promotional things on YouTube and Instagram. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about being able to track and, and relate your marketing efforts to your sales. Yeah. There are a lot of ways to do that. Um, one of the ways, back when I was practicing law, what a lot of law firms would do is they would put a different number in different places, which is sort of like, you know, very early, low-tech way of doing it is mm -hmm. you put one phone number on your website, one in the phone book, one on the back page of oh, the wow. phone book. Yeah. And that way— <clears throat> You can at least see, oh, well, we, you know, the majority of our calls are coming in because of where we place the ad in the phone book versus the one that we ran on TV. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I was with one of those firms that says, we'll get you millions if you get in a car wreck and run over your dog or whatever. Yeah. Actually, I wasn't. But, you know, <laughs> those types of ads are, are painful to see. Mm -hmm. Calphus and Knackman. <clears throat> we will get you money now. <laughs> but... You know, the, the point is when you are doing marketing and, you know, we'll probably do a whole episode on marketing at some point and down the down the road where we talk about more of these, these things in more depth. But, you know, you want to be able to track your marketing efforts. Are they successful? You know, let's say you have uh, your contract, you're driving around a truck. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you probably got your name on the side of the truck. Sure. Maybe you put a different phone number there than you put in an ad that you have in in the local newspaper or on your business card or, or on some, your business yeah. card or wherever and that way you can at least start to get a sense of where are people hearing about me how are they hearing about me and um and that way you can kind of track your referral basis which is what we're really trying to do with facebook is you know how are people hearing about us? That's important for us to know. One of the things we want to do this year is launch more of a marketing campaign. So it's at least how are people hearing about us now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I forgot. Um, one of the other things that I really I look at a lot is uh, what type of tradesperson is purchasing from Diamondback. Um, traditionally, we saw a lot of carpenters and framers. Well, we've made efforts to create a product that can um, be a bit more modular, uh, a bit more flexible within the trades. 
And so we're seeing a lot more inquiries and interest in purchase from electricians and um, moving even into the world of plumbing, uh, finished carpentry, doing install and those type of things. Um, and so I really, and recently we've seen, uh, due to the release of our product, the Nico pouch, all of a sudden we're seeing a lot of electricians popping up on our Instagram and our Facebook and which we never which we hadn't seen before and so that just shows us that um, our efforts to sort of permeate those markets are working based off of the generated interest yeah and, and what we see with part of that then determines you know if you want to be reactive to some of that type of thing you know, it's like, okay, so now we're getting more interest from electricians. Maybe we should think about two or three more products to make for electricians. Mm -hmm. If you're a contractor, I, I know I've, I've seen a couple guys that I follow. Um, they're considering, they live in, a, in an area that's close to a state line. Okay. It's like, okay, well, I'm certified or I'm, I'm licensed in New Jersey, but not in Pennsylvania. But man, you know, I've been getting a lot of inquiries from over there. Um this this uh, general contractor that I do a lot of sub work for does a lot of work over there. So start thinking about those numbers, and and then you can think based based on some actual data. What's it going to cost time wise to go and take the Pennsylvania exam? What's it going to fill out the application? What's it going to cost in terms of licensing fees and whatever? And then mm -hmm. am I, what's going to be my recovery time on that? So, again, there's just a lot of different ways when you start thinking about how am I going to best collect data to then drive my business um, is to where it's going to be geographically, who is going to be my target audience. And now that we sort of have identified some of the numbers that you look at, some of the numbers that I look at, um, we want to – you know, one of the things I said, I, I need to be a little bit more diligent, a little bit more organized in how I organize, uh, uh, what I do with that data. Sure. Um, and so I guess the final piece then is how do you then organize that data? Yeah. You know, just to close out that last thought, mm -hmm. Diamondback and, and a lot of businesses that a lot of the guys listening to this podcast, guys and gals, um, when you're a small business, uh, there's a sort of an adage of you're hiring athletes. You're mm -hmm. not, uh, which means you want to hire that that guy who was in high school who played quarterback. Right. He probably wasn't a really good quarterback, but he was the best athlete on the team. So the mm -hmm. coach said, "You go play quarterback." Yeah, and maybe a, a a great leader. Right. Yeah. And then when he got to college, they're like. Dude, you're not tall enough to play quarterback, but you're pretty go play cornerback mm -hmm. or or safety or something or because wide receiver or something. Yeah, because you get more specialized as the level increases. Then that guy got to you know maybe made pro and mm -hmm. <laughs> they put him in a oh you're now on the kickoff return team or <laughs> yeah, whatever right, it is. Yeah. Um, but the same thing happens with a small business, and and why that relates to this conversation is when you're a small business. Diamondback, we've got three people. We're all standing in the same room. So there's a level of communication that can go around that small space, and everybody's doing a lot of different things. As the business grows, you get more specialized. Those lines of communication get longer, and so then you have to think even more about how are we going to document this information so that it gets passed up the appropriate chain and gets distributed properly. Mm -hmm. Right now, if if Damani wants to know if something's back ordered. He just says, hey, Tim, do we have these things in the box? Yeah. Well, there will come a time when maybe we have an off-site 
customer service person, which we're looking at, which Liz is going to be offsite. And then maybe we get, reach a point where Damani and Connor and two or three other people are in an office somewhere and Tim's in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Now we can't just holler across the room. Mm-hmm. So we need to come up with those processes. And that's part of growing any business. So if you're out there listening to this and you're thinking, that just doesn't make sense to me. It's me and my two helpers. Well, that might be the case today, mm-hmm. but as you grow, it's going to be you and two supervisors, and then under those supervisors is going to be three or four laborers under each one of those. And yeah. so now you've got that extended information chain, mm-hmm. and you've got to be able to organize that data in so, a, in a so reasonable way. You're tuned in to the Biz Build Podcast. I'm Damani. And I'm Connor Crook. So, so basically, creating a process when you're smaller allows you to grow in a much more comfortable manner. It's much more difficult than all of a sudden you're, you're, you, boom, you, you, you blew up, you went from three employees to 12 employees, and now you're trying to figure out the processes then. Right, and that, that's, you know, right now, at three employees, you don't need to have spreadsheets for everything. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is be thinking ahead to when you have six, seven, eight, nine employees, how are you going to create a system now that can build into that system so you don't have to just, wow, we had this system that worked really well. We have to throw it out the window and start all over again. Mm-hmm. You're already thinking, what are the key figures, key numbers that I need to track? And... Maybe I just start with a small spreadsheet, and I just get myself in the habit. Every Friday, I ask my two or three guys, hey, how did we do on X, Y, and Z? And I'm keeping those notes myself. Mm -hmm. Then when we hire somebody who works under one of those guys, Mm -hmm. I get to say, hey, Joe, you're now going to have Bill working for you. So, Joe, I need you to make sure that you're, you're counting whatever this number is that Bill's responsible for, and I need you to report that to me because I don't want to talk to Bill. Yeah, I ain't got time for that. If you're a glazier, you want to you want to be able to see how many windows are getting units are getting put in, and at first maybe you're just sort of tracking. All right, how many window units does Tim put in versus Steve versus John? Um, but then you can start getting benchmark numbers, right? So then, when you hire three more people, you could say this is your target number per week. Right. We know based off of the last eight months of data that this should be the number that you should be able to hit each week, and we want to hit that number. And then that gives um, that creates accountability within your system as well. Sure, and that you know, I think a good point to throw in. We're, we're all we're basing a lot of this conversation off this book that I, I brought up in one of my stories on Instagram a few months back. It's called Traction by Gino. Wickman, Wickman. Mm-hmm. and uh, he tells this great story in the book in the data section about uh, a steel factory, and um, I can't remember one of the great steel magnets of American early twentieth century. I can't remember which one it was. Said he walks in the factory and he's just befuddled why they can't turn out more steel out of this factory. And he's talking to his manager. He's got faith in his manager. Charles Schwab, Bethlehem Steel Company. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and who knew Charles Schwab actually started in steel? Yeah, now you just now you just do commercials for investment banking. <laughs> so, comes in. He says, "Why can't we make more steel?" And, and they start and they get in a discussion about it. And finally, Schwab says, "Give me, give me a piece of chalk." 
And and he says, "How many rolls of steel came out of this place this morning?" The guy's like, "We we did seven rounds." He says, "Okay." He writes a big seven on the floor and he walks out the room. And so then the night shift comes on and they're like, well, "Why is there a big seven on the floor?" Somebody says, "Big boss man was in here and he said they did seven rounds this morning and he put a seven on the floor." Mm-hmm. And so they said, "Well, damn!" <laughs> so they went to work and at the end of their shift they wrote an eight on the floor. Mm-hmm. The next day. The day shift came in. They said the eight. They were mad. Yeah. When they left, the there fool's was a, making us look bad. When they left, there was a ten on the floor. Mm-hmm. So adding in these numbers can create just the right amount of healthy competition, mm-hmm. so that nobody's falling behind, and you can get your workers to push a little harder. Of course, you got to make sure that when they're pushing harder, they're still keeping up the quality. Yeah, and that's part of it. But you know, let's call it ten successful rounds. Right, and 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 ultimately, those benchmarks have to be realistic, and that's what you're talking about. It's still you're hitting a number, but it, you want the quality to stay. So you don't want to create a number that's so outlandish that people are then cutting corners or doing things like that in order to reach that number, so that they don't, so they don't look bad. That's exactly right. Numbers can be a scary thing. Um, I know when people start having expectations of me, I immediately get anxiety. I'm like, oh, oh my God. I might even know that I'm capable of achieving what the expectation is. But just seeing the number can sort of make me a little bit anxious. But what I've learned in my extensive travels in life is that when I stop being apprehensive or scared of the numbers and I embrace that number that I find out that it actually makes me look better. It gives me a tool to show how effective I am as a person. So if somebody says, okay, just for example, if I'm the, the window putter in her, the glazier, and they say, well, we expect to have 10 windows put in. I know I'm really, really darn good at my job. And I put 12 in a day then I can always go back to the boss at my six-month review and say, look, 90% of your employees, they hit the 10-window benchmark, but I hit 12 every single time. And now you have, you have the data to then support your claim for maybe getting a promotion, become supervisor, or getting a raise because you're doing better at your job than maybe the rest of the people around you. So by embracing these numbers and not letting them scare you or give give you anxiety, um, you can put yourself in a much more advantageous situation when it comes to negotiation. Yeah, we at my old law firm, we were a partnership, and we, we looked at the numbers each year. Mm-hmm. And then for the next year, we said, okay, we're going to set, you know, basically the percentage of the take is going to be based on what you the percentage that you made the year before. Mm-hmm. And we had a calculation that the firm had been using for however long, and I became a partner there and was a partner there for a year or two. And I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And, and so you got to look at what numbers you're looking at because we looked at the percentages of revenue that came in mm-hmm. tied to each attorney. And, and I said, wait a minute, guys, I have a half a staff member. Mm-hmm. Joe, you've got two full-time staff members. Mm-hmm. Bill, you've got one and a half. And as we went around the room, I said, guys, I'm making you know, this percentage, but 
my expenses are a whole lot less than the rest of you. <laughs> right. Now, granted, some of my work may have been a referral from you. You were the yeah, older yeah. attorney, and you know, you kind of sent one of your one of your clients down to me for a specialized thing. But um, that allowed me to get a larger chunk of the pie by digging more into the data, getting more of the data, so that I can make that case that you're talking about. Of hey, look, I'm doing a better job, and this is. This is the data that shows that. We could legit talk about this for another two hours because there's so many levels to this concept of how numbers um, can affect your company. If you want to know more, once again, uh, check out the book Traction, um, Get a Grip on Your Business by Gino Wickman. It's got a great chapter in it about data and how it can serve your company. Um, there's a couple of other books out there. I'm sure Google's your best friend. You should probably use it. Uh, if you don't know how to use it, I'm sorry. Um, but dig into the layers. And, and really, ultimately, each business is going to have a different set of numbers that they need to be looking at. So you don't want to look at the numbers that we're looking at and apply those specific numbers to your business. You want to look at how your your unique business and figure out what works in your unique scenario. This has been the BizBuild Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, hopefully you learned a little something about how to uh, help make your business a little bit more successful. I am the Chief Style Officer of Diamondback Tool Belts. You can find me on Instagram at Diamondback underscore Damani. That's D-A-M-A-N-I. And I'm here with El Jefe of Diamondback Tool Belts, C. Connor Crook, who's having a much better day. Be good to yourself. If not, be good to somebody. Peace out. You've just been listening to the Biz Build Podcast. I'm your host, Damani. Follow me on Instagram at Diamondback underscore Damani. That's D-A-M-A-N-I. Or follow Connor on Instagram at diamondback.toolbelts. You can also find more about Diamondback by visiting our YouTube page or Facebook page. Hope you enjoyed what you heard here today, and we look forward to you joining us again on our next episodes. Take care. Don't forget to like and subscribe.